Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. Just like that song says, He's got everything we need. He's got everything we will ever need. And, and what we need to do is just start believing that, right? Because far too often we look to other sources, we seek other places, we go to other people thinking that they'll satisfy our needs when only God can truly satisfy the needs that we have. Father, your plan is amazing. It's glorious. Lord God, the fact that you want to be a personal God to, to us, that you want to be just together with us, guiding us, speaking to us, all of those things, that's, that's truly amazing. You're not a God of far away. You're a God of close and near. And we relish that and we thank you for that. Jesus, today, we just glorify you once again. There's no other reason to be here this morning but to glorify you. And, and Jesus, as we glorify you, you have, you have already met us here. You're working in our life. You're calling us. You're speaking to us. And, and that's just an amazing thing. And we thank you for that. Holy Spirit, I feel like you're asking us this morning. You're asking each and every one of us this morning to just open ourselves up to you. Lord, there's hurts that have been brought in. There's, there's busyness. There's stress. There's indecision. There's all sorts of things that have, that have come into this sanctuary simply because your people are here. But Holy Spirit, I believe you're asking us to set all that aside and to focus on you and to receive what you have for each one of us. Lord, I, I want to be able to do that. Me personally, I want to be able to do that. So, so help me to quiet everything else. Lord God, help me to de deliver this message that you have for us today in an appropriate and glorifying way. And I do pray that people receive and I know that you will meet them exactly where they need to be met. So today... Whatever transpires from, from this moment forward, be glorified. We pray this in your name, Jesus. And everyone shout it out. Amen. Thanks, girl. All right. Let me get situated here. Kids, we'll dismiss the kids right now. They can go on down. All right, adults. A couple quick announcements. Options Clinic. We're doing the baby bottles, right? We love it. And uh, all the baby bottles disappeared so quickly two weeks ago, so we brought some new ones in. Um, grab them if you need them. If you don't need them, that's okay. Um, let's say... A couple weeks, let's say two weeks from today, let's try to have, have all the bottles back. Um, if you're looking up here saying, hey, I should grab a bottle or two, grab these that are empty. 
Leave those that are full. I know it's crazy, but you know, sometimes you just have to say things. Just kidding, we're not, we're not, we wouldn't do that. So please, fill them, bring them, change, pocket change, checks, dollar bills, $100 bills, whatever it is. But uh, yeah, maybe two weeks from today, if we could have those back, that would be great. There's a new life group starting this Wednesday night, 6.30 in the office com uh, complex. It's called Cultures in Conflict. Is there any cultures in conflict today? Nah, not any, right? Um, it's good to, to, to attend a class like that just to get you thinking more about what's going on in our world and maybe opening up our eyes in, in maybe a different way to what's going on in, in the world. The message will pertain to that a little bit, but we have to understand the basis of what's going on in the world today. And, and we need to keep that in front of us because that allows us to pray differently and more fervently, I believe. And then tentatively, probably for the most part, we're going to have a baptism service on the 18th. So that's two weeks from today. Um, yes, clap. Who is clapping? Yes. Does that mean you're getting baptized? No. You're just excited. Um, so if, if, let's talk. If, you, if you're thinking about being baptized, let me know. Um, we want to be biblically right and correct in, in our baptism. So, so I, you know, get with me or somebody who knows why baptism is, is what it is and what we need to do beforehand to be able to be baptized. Kind of the, I, I say requirements, but that sounds so like checklist and it's nothing like that. But, but baptism is an outward expression of an inward experience. You're, you're publicly displaying what's, what God is doing inside of you and, and, and it's awesome. And, and sometimes you know, we're called to be baptized, and, and we're called to be baptized relatively soon after we come to Jesus. That does not mean your life is perfect, right? What it means is that God is at work in your life. So if any of us say, hey, I'm going to just wait till my life is all cleaned up to be baptized, I don't think anybody in here would have been baptized yet, would we? Because it just doesn't work like that. Because God is continually doing stuff in our lives until we step into glory. So baptism is all about letting people, letting the public know that you're living for Jesus. So talk to me. Um, we're going to have our baptismal set up right here. So that's going to be fun. We've never done that before. It's going to be an interesting uh, morning. What we will do is we'll have the baptism at the very end of the service. The, the uh, message will be somewhat tied into baptism. And, uh, and then also next Sunday, um, again, tentatively, because the Holy Spirit can just change things up, but next Sunday, plan on, on having communion at the end of service. Um, I think God's going to throw a message in um, that will lead up to that time of communion, so please plan on attending the next two Sundays for sure. Um, and then I think that takes us into the last Sunday of the month, which will have our potluck, and then immediately following the potluck, we will have our annual business meeting. Um, another great thing that we're starting here is called Right Now Ministries. Some of you guys know what that is. Um, some of you don't, but it's this, really it's like a, a database of like 2,000, over, ooh, 2,000, over 20,000 discipleship videos for kids, youth, and adults. And uh, 
what we as the, the, the board decided to do was to, to pay this, this membership that opens all of these 20,000 different videos to, to each one of you guys. So what we will be doing in the next couple of weeks is we will be receiving an access code and then you guys that show interest, we will give you that access code and then on your own, you can jump on this, this website and, and you can type in and say, hey, I'm struggling with whatever. Man, it's, it's marriage, it's relationships, it's sin, it's this or that. You can do a search and it's going to take you to, to different um, discipleship videos and, and things like that. And as you can see, you can get it on, on whatever you want to get it on, iPads, iPhones, Roku, I mean everything. So, uh, and just your, your regular old computer too. You don't have to have any of those. But, but we wanted to make that available to you guys because we understand though we would like to have you in church every single morning of the week. That'd be awesome to have church every morning, wouldn't it? We'd like to have you here Sundays. We'd like to have you on Wednesday nights and things like that. We know that schedules can be hard, but this is something that... It's not a substitute for in-person fellowship, but it will extend to you some of the, uh, the benefits of, of discipleship and, and things like that. So please, please, please expect that. Jump on that. We want to we wanna use this to the fullest, right? Not just because we're paying for it, but because, because it helps. A um, couple more announcements. Cindy is going to start Anointed Hands. And it's a sign language class, and it's going to start on Sunday, March 1st, and it will be right after service. There'll be a policy. She's, she's doing this, and then she's also nodding at me, so she's, she's actually bilingual right now because she's using her hands and her... Sign that one. No, I'm kidding. Um, Sunday, March 1st, so it'll be a, a, a potluck if you want to participate in there. There'll be a, it'll be a potluck first, and then she'll start teaching... Sign language, ASL, um, it'll be awesome. And then 40 Days of Life starts February 13th at 6, and that's going to be at the Helena Youth Building on Dodge Street, 2315 Dodge. Um, so that's kind of the opening rally for the 40 Days for Life. And then we will have a sign-up, right, to have our day at the clinic to pray. Um, and when we have that sign up, of course, you just sign up for our blocks, and it's always a super cold day, it seems like, but that's okay. We go out there anyway, and, and we, we pray. Um, let's see. And then a couple weeks ago when, when Cindy was talking about some of the new things, the bills that are going on, the attorney that, that she referenced was not the attorney general's attorney, but it was actually the Montana Family Foundation attorney. So we just want to make sure if we're sharing with people um, that we're sharing the right information. Do we got all that? We got lots of announcements going on. But there's lots of good stuff going on. So the, some of the big things, let's do communion next Sunday, probably, unless the Holy Spirit changes that. We'll do baptisms the Sunday after that, unless the Holy Spirit changes that. And then we'll have last Sunday's um, business meeting. All of those good things. Amen? Amen? Thank you guys for being here. And like, I know the roads aren't the best today, um, and that always reflects in, in service. But thank you guys who did come today. I, I think, I think, if we'll open ourselves up, we can get a lot out of this message. And, and, and a lot of times when I feel that way about a message, something happens with the weather or, or something else is going on. And, and, uh, 
But I trust in the Holy Spirit that the people who are here are the people that need to be here. Now let's meet that and, and receive. Four ways to give, of course. Always oh, got four ways to give. You got the giving online, text, giving boxes. You can mail it. You can still mail it in. Thank you guys for, for being faithful givers and, and all of that. But uh, that being said, let's, uh, let's get to this message. You guys want to get to this message? Yes, would you shut up with the announcements and can we get to the message? I know, it's chomping. Amen, who said that? Of course Charmaine said that. So today we're going to look at the text where it says women should be silent in church. I, she, I can do that and Char, all Charmaine does is laugh about that and I love it. And she raises her hand like, yeah, yeah, talking to me, pastor's talking to me. But I wore her favorite shirt today so I can say those type of things. Let's pray and get going on this message. Father, thank you once again that, uh, Lord God, even though the roads are, are pretty slick and icy, at least we're getting moisture and at least you're, you're going to get those mountains full of that, that glorious snow that that makes our spring and summer so much better. So we thank you for that. And, and Lord God, thank you that people are, are discerning and using their, their mind as to whether to journey out on these roads today and things like that. We, we just trust you in all of those things. And, and on days like this, we say thank you for Facebook Live so that if we can't be here, we can still listen and, and participate that way. Lord, those that are out of town, those that are um, sick, having ailments, whatever it is, Lord, just wrap those people up in your hands and, and, and heal them. Holy Spirit, today you got this show. You run this show. You always run it so greatly. So allow me to speak what you want me to speak and shut my mouth with everything else. And like I always pray, because I believe this, and I believe you honor this prayer. Don't let anybody leave here today. Don't let them leave the building, the parking lot, the neighborhood, whatever. Don't let them leave here today the same way that they came in. Because, Lord God, you are a God of action. You are on the move. You are changing people. You are, you are leading people from, from darkness to light, from, from sin to righteousness, from, from anxiety to peace, from fear to trust. And, Lord God, I believe you are doing that this morning. So we honor you, Jesus, and we say, have your way. We pray this in your name, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, today is going to be, we'll just say today is going to be an interesting day because really it's an interesting message and it's really one of those that I've been praying about and, and when God led me in this direction, it's one of those where it's, I get excited because God wants, wants me to speak this message. But sometimes I pull back and I think, yeah, but how's it going to be accepted? But then he says, you don't have to worry about that. I've got that covered. So today will be interesting and for, for all sorts of reasons. That being said, I believe that we, we need to have messages like, like the one today in order to really open our eyes to the things around us and the things that are within us, right? As Christians, we can sometimes talk about the world and what's going on in the world and all these things that are going on in the world and the, the end must be near because look at what's going on in the world and, and sometimes we get so consumed in that we forget to look at ourselves. Yes, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world that we should be concerned about, but is there stuff within ourselves that we should be just as concerned about? That being said, how many of you guys have heard someone in the past 
I could say hour because we're a church and we've been around each other, but really in the last, say, week, how many, how many of you guys have heard somebody say, you know, we are really living in some crazy times? That's just a normal statement anymore. Well, I would go one further, and I would say we are living in dangerous times. And I'm not talking about the obvious dangers, the dangers of civil unrest and social justice warfare and really political grandstanding, the polarization of our country, shifting geopolitical discord, the propaganda of immoral behavior, the acceptance of, of mental illness in the name of gender liberation and, and the genocide of our unborn children. I'm not talking about those things simply because when you get down to the bare bones, nitty-gritty of all these issues, we see that they share one link in common. They are the inherent characteristics of sinful man. It's what we see unfolding before us right now. It's, it's we can be nervous, we can be fearful, we can complain, but we have, to, we have to pull it all back and understand this is sinful man. This is sinful man at work. This is sinful man doing what sinful man does in the absence and acceptance of a holy God. Look at what Jesus says. In your Bibles, turn with me to the book of John. John chapter 8, verse 44, he says this. You are of your father the devil. And it is your will to practice the desires which are characteristics of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks what is natural to him. For he is a liar and the father of lies and half-truths. <laughs> We're not separating that one, are we? Half-truths are lies. See, our adversary, the, the enemy of God's creation, the opponent of mankind is the devil. The devil exists and the devil is real. There are some churches that, that, that don't want to touch this topic because if we ignore the devil, we don't have to fear the devil. We just don't talk about him when we forget about him. But I don't think that's biblical. I don't think that's correct. We need to know our adversary in order to fight our adversary, correct? So we have to understand that there is definitely a devil out there and he hates you. He absolutely hates you. Make no mistake, he is real and he is powerful. Now from this verse right here we can understand a few important things. Jesus paints the character of our enemy, right? That's important, we need to understand the character of our enemy. He states that the devil also known as Satan, has been a murderer from the beginning. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on to say that the devil does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. That's a big statement. And that's a statement that we need to take note of. There is no, absolutely no truth. Zero in our enemy. And therefore, anything that the enemy speaks, any influence that he has, any agenda he forms against mankind is founded on the basis of lies. It's complete lies. And then Jesus goes on to warn us, when he lies, 
He speaks what is natural to him, for he is a liar and the father of lies and half-truths. Why is this so important for us to understand? Those who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, proclaiming him as Son of God, Savior, and Lord, have a compelled desire to not only believe the lies of the enemy, but to also mimic his behavior. That should get a few oohs. Because that's a blatant statement. That's a statement that goes out to, to all of us. That's a statement that we need to understand because it helps us to understand why people act the way they do, why people treat us the way they do. But again, we don't always look too far away because sometimes we need to look within ourselves. See, it all started out in the Garden of Eden. God created the Garden of Eden. He created everything, animals, birds, plants, trees, water, all of those things. And, and then God made this incredible statement. He said, let us make man in our image and, and man, instead of being created from, from an obscure nothing, was actually made in the image of God. It's, it's an incredible story. And, and man, and then woman, and they're in the Garden of Eden. And We can't even comprehend. We can't even begin to imagine what the Garden of Eden was like. It was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. And, and everything was going good and everything was going smoothly see this was a time of life where Adam and Eve enjoyed a close relationship with God God would would actually come down to the garden and and walk together with Adam in the, in the cool of the garden and they would speak can you imagine so hard to even comprehend that see there was no sickness we can't comprehend that either, can we? There was no death. There was no manipulation. There was no lies. But then the enemy entered and with him came his lies and his deception. And there were four seemingly small lies. And mankind's separation from God was complete and sin flooded in. Let's take a look at Genesis 3. This is... This is Satan, the devil, our enemy, coming down and saying to the woman, he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? That's a half-truth right there. And, when, and the woman said to the serpent, we, we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, Number one, you will surely not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Four little lies, and everything came crashing down. I read this account over and over and over, and, and my question is, is did, did Adam and Eve... Did they know better than to listen to these lies? How could they not? But they chose to listen anyway. Do we know better than to listen to the lies? As followers of Christ, how could we not? But sometimes we listen 
anyway. Why? Why do we do it? Interestingly enough, this has been studied. And though this is a secular study, the principles are biblical. It's called the illusory truth effect, also known as the illusion of truth effect. It is the tendency to believe false information to be correct after repeated exposure. This phenomenon was first identified in 1970. Um, there was a study at both Villanova University and Temple University. When truth is asserted, people rely on whether the information is in line with their understanding or if it feels familiar. That's what mankind filters it through, right? Secular mankind filters it through that. The first condition is logical as people compare new information with what they already believe to be true. Think about that for a second. If I have grown up believing in a worldly set of morals, how reluctant will I be to accept God's standard for my life? The study goes on to say, repetition makes statements easier to process relative to new unrepeated statements, leading people to believe that the repeated conclusion is more truthful. The more we hear something, the more apt we are to believe that, even in the presence of truth. And Satan bombards this world with repeated lies in order to make people believe what he says. You will never be good enough. You are unlovable. Your sin is beyond redemption. Do what makes you happy. There is no God. Everyone will eventually go to heaven. How about this one? Trust the science. As long as it's his science, right? In, in a two, 2015 study, Researchers discovered that familiarity can overpower rationality and that repetitive hearing that a certain statement is wrong can paradoxically cause it to feel right. Tell me Satan is not wound up right in that, right? So we keep hearing something that, that is wrong. Hey, you shouldn't do this. Hey, you shouldn't do this. Hey, you shouldn't do this. Paradoxically, if we're hearing that without the presence of the Holy Spirit, we can start to believe the opposite of, of what somebody's telling us. Hey, sin is wrong. Hey, the devil exists. We hear it enough. Something gets in there. Did God really say you can't eat that? Are you sure? Because this is probably what will happen. Research, researchers attribute the illusory truth effect impact even on participants who knew the correct answer to begin with, but were persuaded to believe otherwise, otherwise through the repetition of a falsehood to this processing fluency. So the more we hear things, the more we believe. The more things that are familiar to us, that can override our rationality. Isn't that crazy? But when we look around, we see that happening all the time. The illusory truth effect plays a significant role in the fields of advertising, 
imagine that. News media and political propaganda. Sometimes I sit back and I think, how can that many people actually buy into that? How can that many people be led astray so easily? It's this illusory truth effect right here. I'm going to make a big statement here. We have a propensity to easily believe the lies when our life is absent of the Word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I believe it's both of those things. We need the Word of God. We need to be reading our Bibles. We need to be exposed to the Word of God. And in addition to that, we need to be following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, we can excuse this statement because... After all, we listen to the masses of unbelievers out there and we, we, we interact with them and, and we see it on a, a large public arena, namely in the news and in social media as, as well as the entertainment industry. We're being bombarded with that influence in our life. Remember, every time we're bombarded, Every time we hear a lie repeated over and over and over, that lie becomes familiar and we're going to be more apt to believe that lie. And we can see that again on, on a grand stage. But how do we justify this within our churches and ultimately within our own lives? Well, that's simple. Because the further we are from Jesus, His Word, and His Spirit, the more likely we will believe the lies. I'm telling you, I, I'm t I, I don't want to make anybody feel guilty here. If Holy Spirit conviction comes into your life, I'm 100% for that. But you miss church one week. You start behaving differently. You miss church for two weeks, two Sundays in a row. You open the door to all sorts of things. You start believing and you start following those things that are ungodly, the lies instead of the truth. Statistics show you skip church for two weeks in a row, it's a lot harder to come back that third week. So easy just to skip one more Sunday. And I'm not saying that, that Sunday morning should be your, your sole um, source of the Word of God, of worship time, of exposure to the Holy Spirit, of, of all of those things, what I'm saying is it, it plays an integral part of your week and how your week is going to go. See, Sunday's the first day of the week, right? You start the first day of the week in church. You start the first day of the week revved up with worship and Word of God and, 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 and response time and, and fellowship, and you leave here not the same way that you came in, but you leave here differently, and your week is going to be differently. I cannot tell you how many people I talk to that say, hey, when I come to church, the rest of my week is so much different. Exposure to the truth is all, the only way to combat the vast exposure to the lies that are out there. Now remember, the study found that we are more likely to believe those things that are familiar. To be familiar is to be well known from long or close association. So wouldn't you agree that it is vitally important to be in our Bibles, to spend time in prayer, to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
This must displace our old familiarity and as Paul says, our old self, right? Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 4. It's 21 through 24. If in fact you have really heard him, him being Jesus, and have, have been taught by him, just as truth is in Jesus, revealed in his life and personified in him, that regarding your previous way of life, you put off your old self, completely discard your former nature, which is being corrupted through deceitful desire and, to, and be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude to put on the new self, the regenerated and renewed nature created in God's image, God-like, in the righteousness and holiness of the truth, living in a way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. See, we are to take off that old self. And I'm telling you what, the old self is what's familiar to us. But when we come to Jesus, we take off that old self and we put on Christ, which needs to become what is familiar. Simply put, Jesus must become our basis of truth. Would you agree with that? But that's hard. That's hard. Remember from last week, I said this, the concept of Christianity is easy. It's the application that challenges us. That's because we have to actually change. And we don't like change. We want other people to change. I talk about change and you say, hey, I'll bring it in and fill the bottle. That's not the change we're talking about. See, we have to put on Christ and in order to do that in a victorious way, we have to take off or put off our old self that is completely discard your former nature. Get rid of those things that are so familiar, those things you believe to be true as well as those everyday things, those familiar things which are being corrupted through deceitful desires. It's the lies of the enemy. So make no mistake here, this is no easy task to do. People, including Christians, they want to be lied to. And they want to believe those lies. Because it makes us feel good about ourselves. It makes us feel good about our sin, and it makes us feel good about our sin nature. So we tend to seek out and listen to those who will tell us what we want to hear. And that includes pastors. Oh, I really love going to that church because the pastor makes me feel good about where I am in life right now. Where's the challenge in that? God doesn't want us to stay where we're at. So I'm not going to tickle your ears. I'm not going to stand up here and say, hey, whatever you're doing in your life right now, it's okay. Keep doing it. You're fine. God loves you anyway. His grace is sufficient. I'm not going to misinterpret theology and the word of God to make you feel comfortable and to fill this church up. I'm going to speak the truth because God wants us to speak the truth. So we tend to listen to those and we want to listen to those people that tell us what we want to hear. Romans 16, 18. For such people do not serve our Lord Christ but their own appetites 
and base desires. By smooth and flattering speech, they deceive, deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting, the innocent, and the naive. Smooth and flattering speech. Gosh, I can barely get through sentences sometimes. So I don't have to worry about being smooth. And I don't care if I flatter you or not. See, when this happens, when we seek this out, when we allow this into our lives, the layers of bondage just keep getting thicker and thicker and thicker. Those lies just keep coming in. They, they enrobe us. They, they wrap us up. We, we begin to think, hey, you know, it's okay to do this. It's not that big a deal. It's okay to do that. If I skip this, then, 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 you know, it's just time with Jesus. It's just prayer. It's just the Word. It's just Sunday morning service. It's just, it's just communion. It's just whatever. And we, we begin to listen to these things. And, and then the devil just laughs and he grins and he said, see, see, I just separated one more person from the body. Oh, I just, I just separated one more family from the, the body. I, I whispered and, and discord came into their life and they took offense or, or, or they took issue with something that was said and, and I just separated them from the body. And he just sits back and he laughs. But Jesus, see, Jesus has a better approach. Look at John 8, 31, 32. So Jesus was saying to the Jews, these are the Jews who had believed him. If you abide in my word, continually obeying my teachings and living in accordance with them, then you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth regarding salvation and the truth will set you free from the penalty of sin. See, we need to understand the truth. And Jesus is the purveyor of truth. And the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us to understand that truth. And the number one truth that we begin to understand is regarding salvation and what salvation actually is. And when we begin to understand what salvation actually is, it changes our life. We can't go back to the way we once lived because we understand the sacrifice and what Christ actually did for us. See, a part, one of the parts of the penalty of sin is this yearning to believe the enemy's lies. Those lies that are directly from the devil, as, as well as the lies that he, he trickles through those who we interact with, those who he rules over, right? So the devil doesn't have to be whispering in our ear all the time these lies, because the devil's the prince of this world. So we have all these lies that are already here. So the devil is, is actually an incredible administrator, if you think about it. He has set it up so he can kick back and laugh every time he causes division or somebody follows that lie because there's a propagation of lies all over this world. Those lies which, by the way, and those liars, according to Jesus, is, is really anyone who doesn't follow him. Look at 2 Timothy 3. 1 through 5, it, it kind of gives us an idea of, of at that time when Timothy, or when Paul was writing this epistle, he was, he was looking toward the future. But it sure seems like we're living in that future. It says this, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their 
parents, ungrateful and holy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not having good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. See, God is truth. And we are created in the image of God. God can only glorify himself, therefore all truth glorifies God. For us to glorify God, we must be in alignment with God and with his truth. This is non-negotiable. Far too many Christians, they, they want to dabble, right? They want to skirt it. They want to play both sides. They want to entertain the lies because they want to still hang on to, to just a little bit of that sin. The devil, the deceiver, the one that is the father of lies. See, he looks at us and he says, hey, you're my recipient. I'm going to impart these lies to you. It's a counterfeit. It's the complete opposite of what Jesus does through the Holy Spirit where he says, I want to impart truth to you. You will know the truth and you will be set free. The opposite statement of that is that you will believe the lies and you will place yourself in bondage. See, it's an either or. It's an either or. Because of the fall, man inherently wants to glorify himself. Right? So, Living under the lies of a fallen creation allows us to live a life of self-glory also known as independence. Truth convicts us of who God wants us to be. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the only way to God and the real truth and the real life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That is a truthful statement. How many within the religious community disputes this statement? Jesus isn't necessarily the only way. Division, lies, it all creeps in. The Father wants reconciliation with us, and that re reconciliation can only come through His Son, Jesus Christ. The only way, the only truth, and the only life. So we go from independence... So instead of being independent, we are very much dependent upon Christ. But we're Americans. We're Montana Americans. We want our independence. We're independent. Be careful what you're speaking. We want our dependence. And we want our dependence upon Christ. Truth and lie cannot exist together. One will always be superior and one will always be inferior in our life. Truth means God is in control and we are dependent in Christ. Christ sends the Holy Spirit for our benefit. Listen to John 16, 13. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth, full and complete truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but he will speak whatever he hears from the Father, the message regarding the Son, and he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. It's all about truth. We need to stop. We, we spent a whole series on, on no middle ground, right? 
the gray areas. Remember I said the gray areas are just, are just the, 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 the black in disguise, right? It's black or white. It's black or white. It's truth or lie. Truth guides us and truth sets us free. Lies allow us to believe that we are in control and that really we are independent of anyone. This is why Jesus taught us that we must die to ourselves, our, our sin nature, the familiarity that is within our life because we were born into sin and we lived as sinners up until that glorious day where we said, Jesus, I don't want it no more. Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, I don't want me, I want you. I don't want all that junk. I don't want all that sin. I want redemption and I want to follow you and I want to live for you. See, there's a, there's a dichotomy that, that we live in between truth and lie. And until we step into glory, until we step into heaven, we're going to live in this dichotomy. Truth and lie. What am I going to listen to? What am I going to believe? What am I going to stand against? What am I going to confront? What am I going to allow in? Where's the wisdom and the discernment that I so desperately need? Thank you, Holy Spirit, for imparting that into my life. So understand that on a daily basis, we are confronted with the opportunity to seek truth or to believe a lie. We are born into a life of lies. It defines us. It's our sinful nature and and again, it quickly becomes familiar. Therefore, lying and living the lies comes naturally to each one of us. What are we good at? Well, before we have Christ in our life, we are really good at believing the lie and lying to others. Make no mistake, not all lies cause terrible harm. But all lies keep us from truth. And freedom comes only from truth. Lies hide the truth in, in clever ways until we expose them to truth. We expose the darkness to the light. Until we pursue the truth, we are easily influenced by the enemy's lies. And, and no, again, the devil is, is not directly involved in every single thing that we hear, every single lie that we hear. It's not the devil himself. He doesn't have to because mankind is great at lying on their own. So we should never blame the devil as an excuse to our or somebody else's behavior or decisions. To pursue truth means choosing to question lies. Everything we think we know and those things that, will, that are familiar to us, right? We, we take everything thing captive. All the information that comes in, what are we to do? We're to take it, we're to bring it in and we're to put it, make it submissive to the Word of God, right? And that's not just the secular stuff. That's some of the stuff that we hear coming, coming from, from different um, Christian and, and different books and things like that. We don't believe it because it's under the Christian section of the bookstore. We test it and we believe it if it lines up with the truth of Scripture. And there's nothing to, to fear about that. There's nothing to hide. God's truth isn't afraid of anything. God's truth is never afraid of being questioned. 
because God's truth is foundational and affirmed within his word and the action of the Holy Spirit. See, lies are what keeps the Christian in bondage and the church ineffective. To be an effective church, we must embrace truth and have a desire to serve however that may look. See, we're not independent. We're dependent upon Christ, right? We don't go to a church to get entertained and to be served. We go to a church to serve because this isn't an audience of entertainment. This is an effective body of believers that are to be about their father's kingdom business, right? So you're not in here just enjoying church saying, yeah, I'm glad he wore that shirt. That's a great shirt. And Oh, look how shiny his head is today. That's awesome. And, and man, I'm, Jen did that Honey in the Rock song. I love that song. That's my favorite. Good job, Jen, for picking the song that I wanted. See, that's an entertainment mentality. We need to take on a service mentality. And when we stop believing the lies and we start seeking the truth, we start to believe that God has equipped each one of us with amazing gifts and tools and talents that are to be used for the kingdom. And we get pumped up and we're like, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. And then we're bombarded by the lies. You're going to do it? You're a brand new Christian. You haven't even been baptized. You ate too much popcorn at the movie last night. All these different lies convincing us. And that be, that's what's familiar because many of us have gone through life believing that we're never good enough. And Jesus is saying, but you're good enough for me because I'm in you and I'm directing you. Now get to work for my kingdom. See, this is what builds the body and in return the body with, with Christ as the head helps us to stand firm against the crashing waves and the lies of the enemy. I got one last scripture for us. Let's look at it. It's a long one. Ephesians 4, 11, 16. You've heard the beginning of this, I'm sure, but we need, we need a, a more complete picture here. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. That's known as the fivefold ministry, right? Don't make the mistake of thinking that if you're going to be effective for the kingdom of God, you have to fall into one of these categories because God can use you in all sorts of categories. They're kind of subcategories of these, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and the lies and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, 
when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Man, Paul is talking about what the church should look like. A strong, a powerful church. A church that seeks Jesus because Jesus is the head. A church that longs for truth. A church that questions the lies. A church that says, hey, walk into this building because what's familiar in this building is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. That is the desire. That is the blueprint of what a church should look like. Does that mean we don't welcome people in that are not in this situation? No, we welcome them in. We welcome them in and we say, hey, you are where you are right now. Come and find my Jesus. Let's expose the darkness to some light and let's just see what effect Jesus Christ will have in your life. That's what we want. We want a hospital here, right? But a hospital has to have a trained and capable staff. And that's where ministry comes in. And that's why we get involved with church. And that's why we say, hey, I don't know. I, can, I don't have any special talents. At least I don't think so. And I look at you and I say, oh my gosh, you have so many great talents. Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about this? Get involved. Worship team, come on up. That was a lot today. And I would say there's a lot to ponder on. And I would say there's a lot to pray about today. But I think if we could just wrap all this up into a few closing questions. In the presence of the Holy Spirit, right? Go ahead and bring those lights down if you guys would. In the presence of the Holy Spirit, we need to ask ourselves, it's a difficult and scary question, but we ask ourselves, what lies am I currently believing? This could be on a, a grand scale, but it could also be a very personal. Maybe you've been told you're never going to be good enough. Maybe you've been told that, that you'll never amount to anything. Maybe people have told you, oh, that whole Christianity thing, that's silly. It's all false, just mythology. All these lies that keep bombarding us. And we hear them over and over and over. And sometimes we hear them from, from a tiny little kid. And, and now you could be a 35-year-old person and you're still believing those lies. So this morning, we're going to go back into worship and, and, and we need to ask ourselves, okay, what, what lies might I be believing? How do you know it's a lie? Well, you filter it through the truth, the truth of Jesus. What is Jesus speaking? What does his word say? I'm telling you, these services, these, these messages aren't easy because, because they are personal. We have to begin to question a lot of the things that we thought we knew. All these things that we believed for so long. So this morning, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, I want you to go to God and just simply say, Jesus, what lies am I believing? Help, help expose those lies that I've bought into for so long and the lies that are being perpetrated either on a, on a general grand scale through social media or whatever to the lies that have been whispered in my ear for so long. Can you do that with me this morning?
Can we do that together and not, not be afraid of what other people might think or if they look at us and say, boy, I bet that person believed a whole lot. We don't do that here because that's a lie you're believing right there. So can we just be open with each other? Can we pray with each other this morning if we need to pray with each other? The altar, of course, is going to be open. Man, if there was ever a Sunday to break yourself at the altar, I think this is it. Sometimes before we can move on to what God has for us, we have to discard the lies that we've believed for so long. So let's do that this morning. I'm going to pray. We're going to worship. We're going we're gonna to worship as long as it takes. But if you've got stuff that you need to get dealt with, let's deal with it this morning. Today's the day. Let's deal with it. Father, thank you so much that, that you have positioned yourself in such a way that we can always go to you. Lord God, you are truth. Absolute, 100% truth. And Lord God, sometimes that truth scares us because we've believed the lies for so long. Lord God, I ask that your light burst into the darkness in people's hearts today, in their minds, in their familiarity. Lord God, I ask that in those who have held you at bay, that you reveal yourself. Reveal yourself who you really are. The loving, caring, substantial, sufficient, comforting, truthful God that you are. And Lord God, I know that if we'll take that step, the leading of the Holy Spirit will draw us in and we truly won't leave here today the same way that we came in. So Jesus, you have rule and reign. Speak to each one of us. We trust and we pray this in your name, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. The, the altars, they're open. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com and we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.